Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. This is Leprechaun Lunch with Sean Styers and Jim Irizarry on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. I think Sean's just jamming out here. I, I, I didn't know where to start. I, you know, there's all these, <laughs> it's like all these different, you know, musical interludes. I didn't know when I was supposed to go in any of that. How we doing today? Jim Irizarry, Sean Styers. I'm Sean Styers. Jim Irizarry with uh, his own. I like that. We, you know, we got a little, got a little Irish uh, kind of jig going there. Some picking well, as well, we get rolling into the. Uh, First State Bank Leprechaun Lunch. First State Bank, the only community bank headquartered in Elkhart County. First State Bank offers the highest quality products and services. Shout out to Darla and the gang at First State Bank. How we doing today, Jim, as we uh, get ready for our first game day of the weekend? Oh, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, every everyone is this is like the first game, first Notre Dame game of the season is always a crazy week because, you know, from a from an on-air standpoint and a behind-the-scenes standpoint, people are scrambling around, mm-hmm. you know, trying to make sure, you know, last minute that, that opens and sponsors and all these different things are ready to go. Sales is running around with last-minute orders and stuff like that. So it's just always – it's always crazy. But, but I'm just glad that we finally got a game coming up we got a little primer last night did you watch any of that uh ohio state minnesota game last night little bit of it at the end um which uh you know ought to tell you how how long my days have been <laughs> uh, <laughs> well i was gonna say i watched more at the front because then i i'm just an old man i cannot stay <laughs> right. that long. well i should so. i shouldn't have been staying up that late because uh i've been sitting in uh for john hoffman all week doing the news that's true. So it's like I, I, I just got to a point where I was just like, all right, can't sleep. Going to go watch some football. Might as well. Yep. Yeah, that's right. And I, and I tried for a little bit in bed, and then I nodded off in the middle of everything. But, hey, you know, Minnesota gave it a run. Ohio State was just too good despite the fact that their quarterback starting for the first time was pretty eh. I like the way Minnesota runs the ball, but couldn't quite keep up with Ohio State list. I think I think Minnesota should still be pretty decent 
this season. They're, they're not going to be a bad team. Ryan yeah. Day, though, uh, still undefeated in Big Ten play. He's in his third. He's going into his third year now. I know. Undefeated in Big Ten play. That's regardless of what you think of the Big Ten. That that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. When you haven't lost at all in Big Ten play, that is that is still saying something. I think behind the SEC, they're probably you know the next best conference in the country from from top to bottom. So. Even if Michigan, you know, isn't pulling their end of the weight <laughs> right. for, for the last several years. <laughs> All right, well, we've got Notre Dame and Florida State Sunday, 7.30. And, uh, you know, that's kind of a reminder in case maybe, you know, you're coming into this weekend with blinders on and you hadn't really looked that closely at the schedule. The first game is not on a Saturday this year. It is Sunday night, Notre Dame, Florida State, 7.30. And, of course, you will hear all Notre Dame games this season right here on the home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio, 960 AM WSBT. Our coverage starts at 2 o'clock Sunday afternoon, 50th anniversary of the game day show. Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario bring you that. Some uh, former Notre Dame players, Bryant Young, Aaron Taylor, Bobby Taylor, Brandon Wimbush, Chris Fink, as well as new Notre Dame Stadium PA announcer Chris Ackles will be their guest. So that will be from 2 to 4 and then at 4 o'clock Sunday, it's game day sports beat. Darren Pritchett and I will bring you that. We'll take you till 6.30 when the Notre Dame football uh, network's tailgate show begins. That goes right up until kickoff at 7.30. And then after the game, we will take you into the wee, wee hours. Evan mm-hmm. Sharpley and I will bring you the Notre Dame football postgame show. Evan, new to the postgame show, biz the radio postgame show anyway, after uh, a couple decades of Reggie Brooks. I'll miss Reggie, but looking forward to having Evan along. And uh, Evan's going to join us on Budweiser's weekday sports beat also at 5.30 tonight. We'll get a little, uh, some thoughts from him on the game this weekend and and uh, everything else. So uh, that's what our game day coverage looks like. It'll start at 2 Sunday afternoon and probably go until, what, somewhere around midnight-ish by the time it's all said and done. Midnight, 12.30, hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully Something earlier. Like, Something like that. And don't forget, <laughs> by the way, our sports beat programming, whether it is Budweiser's weekday sports beat, Budweiser's game day sports beat, all of our local programming, you can find it in the free WSBT app. You can listen live there. You can listen to the podcasts, the WSBT radio app. The games itself, like any Notre Dame game, we're not allowed to stream. That right. is done through Notre Dame. Their sports Stream exclusively on the Odyssey app. So just search for uh, Notre Dame to find that stream. So on game day, you can listen to all of our pregame and postgame programming. Include, you know, that again, you can the postgame show is available on the WSBT app. So you can listen to pregame, postgame stuff on the WSBT app. Listen to the game itself on uh, on Odyssey. Just search Notre Dame in there, and you can listen there. So a lot of different ways. To find the streams, we can't actually stream the games and stuff like that. But all of our other programming, we can. So that's what it looks like this weekend, Jim. The uh, the the good people at Odyssey at least giving people the option because they haven't been able to do that. I don't think ever really, right? Stream it online. I believe so. Yeah. I, I I do believe that is fairly new. So you know there have been. I don't know about football itself, but some of the other sports. Last year, like like the two basketballs I know, and I believe hockey as well, there was mm-hmm. another, you know, streaming option, but it all changes quite a bit. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> it's it's tough to keep to up it. with it, quite honestly. That's right. That's right. 
So anyway, let's. Uh, I've got some questions for you before we get into okay. uh, to kind of like our rapid fire type thing here. Okay. Uh, what do you think of the travel plans? They're leaving Saturday night for the Sunday night game. What? Do, what do you? What? What? Well, what's the reasoning? They're piggybacking. Now, 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 what are you saying? Like, you think they should leave earlier, or you think they should actually leave on the day of the game, or like, what's it? It strikes me kind of odd that they're leaving the night before. You know, typically there's like that two day buffer, so that you don't, right? You know, I mean, granted they're staying in the same time zone, I guess, so n- no jet lag, I guess, but you know, still, typically they're, you know, it's like a two day buffer between. So yeah, and they this is they're they're piggybacking off what they did last year due to covid and okay. in a regular year you're right they would leave or you know earlier than that although i guess in some cases it's it, it varies from year to year and trip to trip i think but the, the the biggest thing is they're trying to minimize their time in the hotel and you know exposures to you know to people outside of their own little bubble and stuff like that so that's the reason for that. A little bit later departure. They did this all last year. For the most part, things worked well. Now, here's part of the problem because, you know, everyone on the Notre Dame campus is theoretically supposed to be vaccinated. But, you know, like Brian Kelly spelled out yesterday when he was talking about the timeline for the travel, they're still going to, it sounds like, like the players are going to be able to see some of their families and those kind of things okay. when they get in Saturday, which is like, you know, um, not everybody I don't think is necessarily going to be vaccinated. <laughs> right, yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like you're doing it to minimize your time sort of outside the bubble, but at the same time, you're still exposing yourself. <laughs> you're still rolling, you're still rolling so, the dice on that part, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. So, so, yeah, I don't, you know, I think that's the biggest thing. I, th- I think hopefully by next year, because we're in at least a little bit better place this year with COVID. Maybe you could say a lot better place, but, you know, I think it depends on what, you know, and I mean, for that matter, they're going into a state, Florida, that's that's got a lot more. It's got, got a little bit more trouble going on down there as far right. as COVID goes. You go yeah. south. Yeah. That's right. You go south, you're, you're, you're going to states where uh, instances are higher. Right, right. So also, you know, not Jack Co- uh, Jack Cohen's first start for the Irish anyway. Of course, right. he start he right. started before uh, being a grad transfer and all. But also freshman Blake Fisher's first start as a true freshman. He's going to be blocking his blind side. He was the top recruit for this for his class. So if Fush- if Fisher has a good game, does Cohen have a good game? I, I would think so. Um, I think that there are other. You know, beyond just Blake Fisher, there are, there are other guys on the line. I, I think my concern, my concern is less, you know, with Fisher and having a starting or, or you know a freshman starting at left tackle, than I am just the fact that you've got five guys working together for the first time in a potentially hostile environment. Like the longer, the longer the game stays close down there the noisier it is going to remain. And that's what concerns me when you're talking about, you know, communication, communication with the line, the line hearing checks at the line of scrimmage, cadence, all those different things. And then you throw in the fact 
that Blake Fisher has never been in a situation like that before. It's a lot different being in front of, you know, 80,000 in a stadium, in a full stadium yeah. like that. You know, because even even like the guys who did play, like Jarrett Patterson last year, you know, it's been a couple of years since they've played in full stadiums. It so yeah. it was never that. It, it was a lot easier to go on the road in some of those situations last year for everybody because it was just a lot easier to hear. But now you're talking about full stadiums again. So that's what that's what I'm concerned about. I'm I'm less concerned about Blake Fisher just based on what we got to see of him both in the spring and in the fall because I think that kid's ready to go and he wouldn't be out there if they didn't have 100% confidence in that. But uh, that that's my biggest concern is the overall communication and just how these guys work in unison beyond the communication you know, up front because you also have a new element with, with a guy like Kane Madden, the guy who, who transferred over from Marshall. You know, just like mm-hmm. how, how these guys are going to work together and again, we're talking about a hostile envir- hostile road environment going into the season. So I think that's tougher. I, I think that if you had a game at home where, you're, you know, you're not going to have to worry about that stuff as much because you expect your home crowd, you know, not to be as loud when you've got the football. So that's that's what I'm worried about the most. I, I, think, I think Jack Cohn is going to be okay. I, I think he's probably going to, you know, take his share of sacks because he's, he's not – he, he's different from Ian Book. He's going to stay in the po- pocket longer. And so I, I think that that's going to be good to an extent because he keeps his eyes downfield. He's willing to make those throws downfield. But at the same time, as a result, he's probably going to take a few more sacks than we've been used to seeing with, with Ian Book and that more veteran line over the last couple of years. Okay. And then you're right. It, I mean, it's probably going to be 100, you know, 100% down there too because yeah. it's, it's Florida. You know, they they're doing their own thing down there. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, probably 100%. And, yeah, Florida State, I mean, it's the first game of the season. You know, there's right. always that optimism. You're always going to have a full crowd, especially at a, at a place with the history of a Florida State. I mean, it, it, it's going to be loud. It's going to be loud. So It is. Yeah. So, and then uh, and I guess my final question, and I kind of answered this as I was making my way over to the station today. <laughs> And uh, that 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 question was, of course, the the question that I've gotten a lot this week. Why Sunday? And it came to me. It, it's all that Disney money. It's all that sweet, sweet Disney money right there. Yeah. Having the game on ABC. It's on a Sunday night. It's by itself. I think all day. It's the only game on tomorrow on uh, on Sunday, right? I believe so. Well, there might be maybe one of the afternoon. There might be one earlier. I was yeah. actually just getting ready to pull that up, and now, of course, my internet is okay. Here we go. <laughs> it was it was a little bit chopped there for a second. So mm-hmm. let me look at Sunday. There, yeah, like I said, there might be a no. It is. It is the absolute okay. only game going on Sunday, and then there's one game Monday night as well, Louisville against Ole Miss, and I mean that is it right there. I mean, it, it's going to be on ABC. Mm-hmm. You know, it's nice. So it's we're, we're talking about network national TV, and that is the reason right there. They they had the chance because this is a road game that that gives the rights to, I think you said it, Disney. You know, ABC, yeah. ESPN, wherever they want to put it. I mean, I think it's I think it's great, and I, and I think that everybody loves it. It's a night game on a Sunday, and it's national TV. It's Notre Dame, Florida State in the season opener. So. 
That's exactly it right there. It is going to draw a really big number oh, yeah. on, on network TV Sunday night. Oh, or, yeah. you know, at least the first half, as long as it stays close, it'll, it'll keep bringing in a big number. And that's exactly it right there because obviously the home games are on NBC. So when, when Disney, ABC, ESPN gets a chance to put a game like this standalone in primetime, that gives them the best opportunity to draw – Cha-ching, you know, the best oh, advertising yeah. revenue that they can. When they've got Notre Dame-Florida State in a standalone game like that, that's why Sunday night. All right. Yeah, I, like I thought. I, I, I knew I answered my own question there, but I, <laughs> I just kind of needed that, that, that affirmation from somebody else, you know, that I'm not crazy. So Right, right. I, 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 mean, you I know, appreciate that. I appreciate it. Most questions <laughs> like that come down to, Money. Money. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, when you can look at it, and so, you know, you go, well, why are they doing it this way? And then draw a line to, is the answer money? And if it's easy to say <laughs> yes, then there's your answer. It's one of, one of those charts. <laughs> is the answer money? If yes, <laughs> yeah, there you exactly go. Right. If no, Your's and it's chart. a million other reasons. That's it. So. That's it. All right, I'll turn the tables <laughs> on you, and we'll get a few uh, questions in here. A little bit later in the show jim's going to bring us some prop bets for this weekend both mm-hmm. for for notre dame for the season for college football in general but I'll, I'll just throw a few at you right now since you brought up over under 26 touchdown passes for the new notre dame quarterback this season i went back and looked at uh, at ian book's numbers from the last couple of years and of course two years ago was when he passed for 34 right correct and then last year a decidedly smaller number Still a good, you know, good ratio there to interception, but wasn't it like fifteen to three on on, yes. on Ian's numbers yep. last year? Uh, and was kind of kind of maybe like a little higher there his uh, his sophomore year. I'm thinking just a little bit under twenty six. Okay, I'm you know twenty three twenty four range. I think might be doable. I mean, and that's what I think a lot of people are kind of hedging in that direction. Yeah. Uh, some different factors to the drop last year. One, Notre Dame didn't play as many of the group of five teams like they right. played New Mexico, Bowling Green, Navy all two years ago when right. Ian booked through the 34. Last year they played predominantly ACC with you know, the USF game. And, of course, they had the ACC championship game in Alabama. So you had, you know – Three really good, yeah. three really highly competitive games. Clemson twice and Alabama in there. Two, Notre Dame was more run heavy last year. Book actually did run for nine touchdowns last season, so he accounted for 24 total, but as you said, just 15. They were also really bad in the red zone, you know, yeah, so I were. think that, the, you know, that that takes yeah. away some as well when you're just 58% on red zone touchdown chances last year. I'm going to go over. For Cone, though, because he had 18 as a starter two years ago at Wisconsin with Jonathan Taylor, ran for 21 touchdowns. So, again, that takes away from some of his opportunities. I think that they're going to be better in the red zone in part because of Jack Cone, and uh, I think with the weapons that he has, we're going to see more kind of big explosive plays than maybe we've seen in a while in the passing. I'm not I'm not saying he's going to be like old school Dan Fouts, you know, Air Corps yell and all that kind of stuff. But I think 
or you know Dan Marino, whatever. But I'm I not going to lie, that would be fun. That I mean, would be a lot of fun, actually. <laughs> but I think that we're going to see more touchdown passes. So I'm okay. going to say I'm going to say Cone is over. 26. And of course, you know, they're you know they're working on their red zone offense. I mean, Brian Kelly mentioned it in his in his press conference on Monday even right. that they need to get better in the red zone, you know, on both both sides, passing and rushing. Absolutely. So, I mean, yeah, they they've been working on that this I week. I mean, he, and he's going to They've been have, working on that for a while now. Yeah. And so. I, again, like he's going to have some targets. He's going to have some options down there between Michael Mayer, Kevin Austin, uh Bauman, the, the young the, the the sophomore tight end was you know really showed himself in the red zone in some opportunities where the media got to see him so you know another tight end Takis another tight end so I think they're going to do a lot better in the red zone okay. this year all right this kind of goes hand in hand with Cone Javon McKinley led the Irish with 717 receiving yards last season scale of one to ten how confident are you Notre Dame's leading receiver will exceed that total this year. Maybe like a six and a half, uh, mainly because from everything that I keep reading, it, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm not out there, you know, like getting the access like, like you guys are able to, you and Darren are able to. Right. Uh, but uh, everything that, I, that I've read is saying it's, it's a lot of running this year, you know. Uh, it, it's going to be a little bit more, more run-centric. So maybe seven seventeen, maybe maybe like a little less than that. I think. Okay. So McKinley's seven seventeen that he had last year is the third lowest total to lead the Irish mm. in Brian Kelly's eleven seasons at Notre Dame, and I keep coming back to the fact that Javon McKinley basically came out of nowhere last year to lead the team with that number right. because if Kevin Austin had been healthy. Javon McKinley wouldn't have even had those opportunities. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say that some. Basically, I'll just say what I've been saying all along. If Kevin Austin, as long as Kevin Austin stays healthy and he is looking really good from a health standpoint right now, okay. knock on wood, I'm going to say that that it'll be relatively easily exceeded because you know they'll get at least an extra game as well, assuming they're in a bowl game and all that kind of stuff. So I think I, I'm going to say. Yes, I'm, I'm going to say someone will, and I believe that Mr. Kevin Austin is the guy with the best chance to exceed that. Maybe even Michael Mayer. Who knows? All right, we've got time for, I think, one more. Over, under, one and a half kick and punt returns for touchdown that Notre Dame will have this season. I'm going to go over. I think, I think they'll have a couple. Just why not? this is the area that frustrates fans so much especially with the punt returns Mm -hmm. and you know that's like it's it's easy to overlook how really solid and even borderline i don't want to say borderline good borderline really good actually that notre dame's special teams are because they were atrocious in that four and eight season in 2016 yeah brian polian has taken over his main goal was just to get them back to break even and that's really where they've been now they were they were again they did some really good things last year in special teams what they lack though are those highlight type returns especially on the punt return you know if matt salerno is the punt return guy it's it's going to be 
you know, fair catch central once again, playing it safe. <laughs> I'm going to say under just because you have to go all the way back to 2016 since they've had, you know, that's the crazy thing. As bad as the special teams were overall, they actually had a couple, you know, returns for touchdown yeah. <laughs> last year. Until I actually see it, I do think they've got the personnel with guys like Tyree and Styles and some of those guys. But until we we actually see them unleash it, I've got to go under. I'm, I'm going to play a little bit more conservative okay. with that. All right, he's you don't you don't even you don't oh. even think they're going to luck, luck into one more. <laughs> um, Again, until I see it, until because you, see you know it. Yeah, okay. we're talking about four years running now that That's they true. haven't lucked into them. True. So <laughs> I've got to go with what we've seen All right. so far. He's Jim Irizarry. I'm Sean Styers. The Leprechaun Lunch is presented by First State Bank, the only community bank headquartered in Elkhart County. First State Bank offers the highest quality products and services. We are also brought to you by. Uh, Where'd my, where'd my library go? There it went. Edward Jones making sense of investing. Contact Jerry Madsen at Osceola or Craig Langhofer in New Carlisle. Wings Etc. Grill and Pump with 14 Michiana area locations. Stop in today or order online, wingsetc.com. And South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. It is Notre Dame and Florida State this Sunday night, 730. And coming up next, we will preview that with the Florida State side. They still haven't named... Their starting quarterback, Kurt Weiler from Tallahassee.com, will join us to talk about what's going on with the quarterback situation, Seminoles, and a whole lot more. It's the Leprechaun Lunch on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Leprechaun Lunch with you on this Friday, getting ready for Notre Dame, Florida State, Sunday night, 7.30, right here on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT, Leprechaun Lunch, brought to you by First State Bank, committed to being a premier financial partner. First State Bank demonstrates and delivers hometown values. Well, it is Notre Dame and Florida State Sunday night. Mike Norvell, the uh, Florida State head coach, is yet to name his starting quarterback, and with us right now is Kurt Weiler from Tallahassee.com. I saw today, you know, Corp Florida State's had the quarterback battle being waged during training camp. The incumbent, Jordan Travis, Central Florida transfer, Mackenzie Milton. And I saw where you uh, had reported that Mike Norvell said he's not going to name the starter before the game. He's going to wait till they, uh, whoever it is, runs out there on the field uh, Sunday night against Notre Dame. So I, I guess just... Kind of give us an idea of what you saw from those two guys maybe during training camp this August. Yeah, I, I mean, coming into training camp, it was a pretty interesting situation. Obviously, Mike Norvell elected to take uh, this year the AC kickoff event where every school kind of it brings their coach and a couple players. It's kind of a preseason media kickoff event. You, they upped the number from two to three this year. And so Florida State brought both of the quarterbacks, actually. So I think that, that speaks spoke to how, <laughs> how legitimate a competition it was coming yeah. into the preseason. I mean, if of your three guys, you're bringing two of them are your quarterbacks. I think it means not only is it a legit competition, but I think he expects to count on both of them this season in some regard, even though obviously one is only going to be the only one that can start behind uh, behind the, like, leading the offense start the season for that first rep. I, I, I mean, coming into the spring, uh, coming out of the spring, Mike Mackenzie Milton had a great spring game performance, but Jordan Travis was, I would say, the more consistent quarterback throughout the spring. And I would venture to say that was actually the same 
in the in the preseason. I mean, Jordan Travis, I know obviously Notre Dame was probably one of his better games last season. He really right. played a large role in keeping them in a game against a, a top-10 team on the road for a while there. Obviously, Notre Dame distanced itself, but even till the end, I mean, he, he kept fighting. But I think they knew when they brought McKenzie Neal in, it was apparently known from his UCF days that he's kind of a gamer type, if you will, and that a guy who isn't going to be the best in practice and just turns it on. I mean, we saw that in the spring game after a, a okay but not great spring, and I, I, it'll be interesting to see what if, what, if any, kind of role he takes and if that's, again, kind of the, the case. Because he's had his days, but Jordan's been the better quarterback for the majority of the preseason. Now, when you say better quarterback, I mean, he's a guy, obviously, who's who's really mobile, and that's where he really hurt Notre Dame last year, running for almost 100 yards and a touchdown in that game. But a 55% passer, is does he look a little bit more consistent with the arm right now? Yeah, I, w- I would absolutely say so. I mean, it's, it, it, he's entering now his, his fourth year of college football. He's only the redshirt sophomore because I feel like last year messed everything up with the scholarship and eligibility and all that. But, yeah, I mean, he's, he, I feel like you don't have to see that kind of a development this late into a guy's career. But, no, I, I feel like there's been a, a marked improvement with accuracy of deep balls, with reading the field, with kind of making the right decisions and, and finding the underneath if it's there and taking the shot if it's there. Yes, I, 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 obviously it, it's hard to say that 100% definitively until you see it in a game. Mm-hmm. But from all that we've seen, and Mike Norvell and his staff let us watch a lot of practice, yes, he has looked better. Well, and then Milton, he had the serious leg injury, of course, almost a couple of years ago when he was at Central Florida. It, does he look like he's 100% when he's out there? He really looked 100% from the start of spring. It was huh. pretty impressive. I mean, I know I talked to his doctor for a story back before the spring started, and or maybe sometime in the spring. But from the start of spring, I mean, he there was no limp. There was no nothing with his knee. I mean, his, his injury was bad enough. I mean, you've seen knee and you, people associated with ACL. His was severe enough that there was original fear it was going to have to be amputated. Mm. It was, I mean, it was a... His doctor kind of said, I hope we can get you to walk again, not just play football again. But he, uh, I mean, he, he moves especially well. There doesn't seem to be any lingering – there hasn't been any special ling- lingering issues with that. I mean, he, he is perfectly capable of being mobile. Now, they do have different skill sets. It sounds like from what you're talking about, you know, even – regardless of who starts, there's a good chance we probably see – both of them, you know, if not Sunday, then at least over the course of the season, huh? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. And, I mean, last year before Jordan Travis uh, won the starting job, took over the starting job against Jacksonville State, they used him in the backfield some. They'd use him a little at quarterback. They'd use him, I think, even a little. He started in a game out at wide receiver because he played the first snap out there. I mean, I think they'll find ways to use him if it's not him. And I don't know, it'd be interesting. I mean, the problem is, if you feel good about both of them, and I definitely think this is a case of feeling good about both options and not kind of being forced to pick between two, you're not thrilled between and neither standing out, I will be interested to see how how short is that leash, you know? Sure. How many how many drives of maybe not great is it before Mike Norvell says, okay, well, maybe we should try the other one. Kurt Weiler from Tallahassee.com, who covers the Florida State Seminoles offensive line a question for them going into fall camp and and that line now includes of course former uh, Notre Dame offensive lineman Dylan Gibbons how did things end up this fall what's your confidence in that unit going into the spring it'll be interesting I mean it, it 
this was probably the the first year coming in. I mean, they struggled, especially in predictable passing downs, where where kind of opposing defenses kind of pin their ears back and just all out rush the passer last year. Uh-huh. They run blocked real well. They were actually showed legitimate progress in run blocking. I mean, so. I think this was the first year in a while where that wasn't the biggest offensive concern. I'd actually say that was probably wide receivers coming into the uh, preseason. They've had some guys who've missed some time. I mean, obviously that's going to happen in a preseason. That's going to happen over the course of a season. So I'm interested to see. I'm not sure they've had a ton of practices with probably their ideal starting five working together. But they've, uh, I, I mean, it, I think they feel good about having, I, I think Mike Norvell said the other day, eight guys on that unit, one of them being Dylan Gibbons. Who, who they think can uh, he thinks can help them win games, and I mean that is okay. a far cry from especially what that unit was two years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and then the wide receiver unit, some inconsistencies there last year. That I know they added Kansas transfer Andrew Parchment. What kind of expectations maybe for him and and that group as a whole? Yeah, I, as much of practice as we got to watch. I think Mike Norvell let us watch. I think today was the last one we're going to get to watch before the Notre Dame game. We got to watch 19 whole practices of the 25. Uh, I, you really Man. saw, getting to see that much, you really saw the growth from that unit. I mean, it was uh, it was pretty remarkable. I mean, you especially in, be it one-on-one matchups against the DBs, they won a lot more of those balls as the, uh, as the, pre- the season went on. You saw development from some of those younger guys. It was awesome to see that because, I mean, I realized we're among the uh, the, the blessed few, for sure. Uh, it, yeah, Parchment's an interesting case because he'll have days where he looks amazing and he'll have days where he's a non-factor. He, he seems like the type of guy who could be – he's a little up and down, and I think he'll have some monster games for them this year, and I think he'll have some games where he may have zero or one catches. Interesting other guys there. I mean, Keyshawn Helton has looked really good this preseason. Last year he was back from a severe knee injury, but it, when you're coming off an ACL like that, you often don't see people are like, especially guys that rely on their shiftiness, their explosiveness. They don't look quite the same that first year. He looks more like kind of the pre-injury self now, and, and looks like a guy who can come in and make a big impact. Another guy I've been real impressed with is a true freshman in Malik McLean. He's an IMG Academy kid, so they're always a little different coming in. I mean, that's obviously its own kind of world down there. And he's a uh, he's looked apart. I think he's a guy who can come in and make a. Uh, a year one impact for them and and that would be big for a unit that needs those playmaking types i just want to roll it back for just a second did you say 19 of 25 whole practices you were able to watch the only things we didn't get to watch were scrimmages the mock game and then these two leading up to uh sunday's game yeah i think 19 full practices my goodness that's some notebooks yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's a lot now, we had to we have to uh play along somewhat of, of sure. not always reporting isn't out there and stuff like that. That's kind of Norvell talked to us about like that's where a competitive advantage of letting y'all be out here becomes a competitive disadvantage for sure. us. And so we were happy to play along, but no, yeah, I mean, it was I uh, bet. amazing. I bet. I bet. That's awesome. Kurt Weiler from Tallahassee.com defensively. I believe it's a four, two, five. They're going to how, how, how'd that look this fall? There will be a lot of four two five. There will be some uh, some more traditional. I would say four three four. Maybe even some some three down linemen in goal lines. Probably. I, I mean, a four two five is probably what fits them best, just because of the three units on defense. The linebackers are the one that I'm the most uh, concerned about. They yeah. uh, they lost Rice back in the spring. He was going to be. He is a sixth year senior, and they'll get him back at some point. But it doesn't seem like he's going to be back for this game. So. 
you're gonna, they're going to be relying on a lot of younger guys there. So I think that's why, especially the four-two-five makes sense. Obviously, the defensive line last year wasn't especially good. They, uh, I mean, ten sacks in nine games ain't cutting it. I mean, especially <laughs> in a place like Florida State that has such a pedigree for that. They, that's where I would say they especially hit the transfer portal hard. And it looks like they're going to be starting two transfers in uh, Jermaine Johnson from Georgia and Pierre Thomas from South Carolina. Both those guys have uh, have looked the part, and they're going to. It seems like really going to help them out there. Uh, Jermaine was actually on that team that, that I think he said today he was on the field for the final play of that Notre Dame loss in Athens a few years ago. So, so he actually he was, I think the, the the talk was he's the one guy that knows what it takes to beat Notre Dame on this roster. Yeah, that's true. Um, in the secondary, they're a lot deeper. I know Mike Norvell, a, a stat that he threw out early in the preseason was that they, they had 11 guys in the secondary who played 100 or more snaps last season. He was like, that number is too high. And obviously, COVID absences played a role and injuries played a role. But he, they're not going to, I don't think, rely nearly as much on as many guys this year. But they're more fit to do so. I think they uh, Travis Jay is a kid and Jarvis Brownlee and Jerry and Jones. I think that's three cornerbacks they feel pretty good about. They've done some finagling. Obviously, a guy like Jamie Robinson from South Carolina is coming in and playing a little nickel. A little safety, a little, a little bit of everything, really. Uh, and a guy, a freshman, another true freshman, and Kevin Knowles is a guy who's come in and made a big impact. He, it seems, I mean, they've not really hid from the fact that he's going to play this week. He's going to, he's going to make a kind of instant impact for them in the secondary, even though it's that true freshman. So, I mean, both the secondary and the defensive line were underwhelming last season, and I still have questions about the linebackers. But I think, I mean, those are so interconnected that if one is better. Mm-hmm they're both going to get better and if they're both better I think they both could get a decent amount better sure exactly well so when you look at this Florida State team then and especially considering as much as you got to see them out there on the field with 19 full practices what what are maybe a couple of strengths of this team do you think coming into this opener like last year I think the run game is going to be a strength they have a number of options there and like I said I mean that was I would say the strength of the offensive line last year considering they bring back Almost everybody, I think they lose one start on offensive line from last year, and they, they return two of the three running backs. I think added a third walk-on turn scholarship guy that I think is going to make an impact for them in Treshawn Ward. I think they're going to be they're going to run the ball. That's going to be big for them of staying out of 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 non-traditional or traditional passing downs, expected passing downs. Um, I, I'm interested to see I, I, the defensive line or secondary. Like I had somebody ask me, which I think is going to make a a bigger jump and. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, it'll be interesting to see because I think both have have the possibility of being quite a bit better. And then obviously something that that Mike Norvell always wants to be a strength is going to be special teams. And Florida State's kicking was pretty bad last year. I think they have two kickers who are both four of seven, and both have looked better this year. Both are back, but their punting is going to be, I think, a big strength with Alex Mastromano. And just they they from how much practice we watched, they practice special teams a lot. And I mean, it showed up last year. I think in one of the metrics. They jumped from about 80th in total special teams, like all facets of it, to about 20th. So I think that's going to be a strength, and that's something that Mike Norvell prides himself on. Can this be a bowl, a bowl team this year, do you think? Um, I've been floating between five and six wins. I think okay. given this schedule, given Notre Dame again, given that you're playing both the top teams in the Coastal, expected top teams in the Coastal, in North Carolina and Miami, and then obviously you always have Clemson and you always have Florida. I mean, those are five tough ones right mm-hmm. there where you're going to be probably a, a, a significant or somewhat significant underdog. 
So I think if Mike Gravel can get to six with this team, it means you're winning a lot of those games that are closer to toss-ups or maybe a bit in your favor. I think that speaks well to what he's done with this roster. Because there are some nice pieces on this roster, but this is a this is a far cry from Florida State roster of even like Willie Taggart's first one. Yeah. When you look at this game Sunday night, is there a particular matchup maybe that you're looking at? I'll be interested to see. I mean, I think the biggest thing, honestly, for Florida State with what should be a hostile atmosphere and, and, and will be important, I think, is just not falling behind yeah. early. If you can avoid that, if you can keep the crowd in the game, I think that'll be big because, obviously, I mean, it'll be the first packed house in, in quite a while for the, either of these teams. So, I mean, uh, in terms of True. matchups, I, I, think, I think how much Florida State's defensive line is able to do against a talented but kind of a new-look offensive line for Notre Dame I mean they haven't mm-hmm. been in that hostility you can replicate it in practice but you can't entirely replicate replicate all they're going to be dealing with and I know they're all separately very talented but they're not a lot of guys who have experience as a unit so yep. I'll be interested to see how how that is I think that will be pretty important of get it, keeping Notre Dame behind the chains and uh and making Jack Cohn beat them instead of letting Kyron Williams beat them yep completely agree all right Kurt Weiler Tallahassee.com great insight on the Seminoles, and of course, you can read all of his stuff on Florida State at Tallahassee.com. Kurt, thanks once again. Enjoyed uh, talking to you. A lot of great insight there. Enjoy the game Sunday night and, and uh, the season, I guess, for that matter as well. You as well, Sean. Thanks for having me. All right. Kurt Weiler, Tallahassee.com, Leprechaun Lunch on Sports Radio 960 AM. We'll take a timeout when we come back. Jim's got some prop bets for the weekend, Notre Dame and other college football prop bets we will take a look at those next it is the first state bank leprechaun lunch on sports radio 960 a.m wsbt the leprechaun lunch presented by first state bank continues on sports radio 960 a.m wsbt along with jimmy rosary i'm sean Styers. we've got a few minutes here jim of course was a regular host of the money line a sports wagering show and joins me a couple nights a week on budweiser's weekday sports beat with some sports wagering stuff he has got some props for us so let's hit some props before we wrap things up for this weekend jim so i'm not gonna lie there i was looking all over the place couldn't find a bunch of player props okay however do have some props as far as win total goes national championship things like that and, gotcha. uh, so, you know, of course, the the latest updated info on, on the game itself. Right. So win total for Notre Dame at nine, over ah. or under. Now that has changed. So that is actually up. It has yeah. bumped up because it's been eight and a half for the longest time. I, I still don't understand. I think that this is like a half low. I still think that the, you know, the, the, the real line should be set at nine and a half. So I'm going to go okay. over with this one i'm gonna go over nine even though that makes it that does nine does make it a little bit tougher i don't think that they are going to win just eight games so i will go over nine yeah eight games seems a little low for me even so and then uh kind of varying well very varying numbers actually as far as uh, national championship futures odds so bet mgm has their odds at plus eight thousand for notre dame for notre dame for a national championship, mm-hmm. I mean that's that's a heck of a value, yeah, right there. Uh, you know that's here. Here's the other number that I have. Okay, okay. 
plus 4,000 at points bet. Now, which is the more truthful number here? Interesting. So 4,000 on yeah. one, 8,000 on the other. That's such a wide gap between two different books, too. That is. I mean, obviously, if I'm going to place a bet, I'm going to go with the 8,000. But yeah. I, I, I honestly think the more truthful number is probably the 8,000. Okay. Just where I, I, yeah. I think that Notre Dame has a really good chance to be in the college football playoff conversation. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there are some there other are, teams who yeah. are going to be in that picture. And just based on how things have gone, you know, I think they've got a good chance to be in the playoff mix, but actually win the national championship. A little bit longer odds, I think. I think it's got to be a really compelling case this year for Notre yeah. Dame to make it into yeah. the playoff. Like, they'll they'll be like, you know, like maybe, you know, five, six, seven, you know, in that range. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, as far as the top four go, I, I don't think they make it just because I think there's four better teams better. Four better teams better. What am I saying? Right. <laughs> no, I agree. So I agree. But uh, anyway, as far as the game goes itself, uh, the spread set at uh, at seven and a half point total at fifty five and a half. Uh, Notre Dame the favorite on the money line, of course, at pl- at uh, minus two ninety two. FSU's at uh, at plus two thirty. As far as injuries go, of course, the uh, the big injury for Notre Dame is Maris Le- uh, Leofau. He's out right. uh, pretty much all year with the lower body injury. No key injuries for Florida State though. Uh, Notre Dame three and one against the spread in its last four road games. Got that going for us. Okay. Uh, totals have gone over in each Notre Dame and Florida State. All right, for both schools in three of the last five games for each school. So, Say that again. The totals have gone over for both schools okay. in three of the last five. I, that was a little clunky, wasn't it? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. See, because I'm sitting there looking at that fifty-five and a half, and it's like on. On one hand, I can easily see it happen, yeah. but on the other hand, it's like I just don't know. So, you know, just kind of based on how you look at, I think Notre Dame's going to score some points because Florida State had a horrendous defense last year yeah. and a lot of turnover. I, I just don't see them, you know, being and you know, and then on the other side of it, I don't see them offensively being able. To keep up, like I'm seeing somewhere around like a 35 to 17 game, something like that. Okay, so 52 right now as your total. So I'm I'm just under that, but could also see another touchdown or something. Sure, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, Uh, a lot of the money, by the way, for this game going to uh, Florida State to cover the spread of seven and a half. Hmm. You buy that? I don't see it because, like I said, Hmm. I, I see I see Notre Dame. I see Notre Dame winning by a couple touchdowns in this game. I, I think that I think that a lot of the Vegas thinking right now has to do with the turnover that Notre Dame has on the roster. So I think that that's why that's got to be why there's yeah. there's there's hesitancy on Notre Dame right now. Okay. How about uh, how about some other games? Okay. You want, uh, you want some other games? All right. Sure. Let's do Michigan State at Northwestern. Another Big Ten game. Uh, Michigan State two and five in Mel Tucker's first season. Not exactly great. Uh, but one of those was in the big house against Michigan, so at least he went for broke there. Uh, looking at the total, 
That was my initial instinct. The total's at 45, but the Wildcats and the Spartans were in the bottom of the conference last season, averaging 24.7 and 18 points per game, respectively. And also just too much personnel turnover among the offenses to hit any sort of consistency to that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, don't, I don't see that total coming anywhere close. I, th- I think yeah, it's going to be either. another one of those Big Ten defensive battles as, as we've come to know and love. But I, I, do, I, I do like Michigan State at plus 138 on the money line. Yeah, so I believe that too. Uh, North Carolina at Virginia Tech, a couple of uh, Notre Dame opponents here coming up this season. I know. Uh, under 64 for the point total, and then the first half coming in under 31. Wow. 64 yeah. is the over-under. That Man. Yeah. That is that is a lot, but you know I and realize. That, and considering who's out and who's hurt for North Carolina, senior wide receiver Bo Corrales, he's out for the game. Wide receiver uh, Coffrey Brown, he's banged up. Center Brian Anderson, he's questionable as well. You know, depth is a real concern too for uh, for for UNC uh, on the offensive line. And then uh, Virginia Tech's defense, though, they were kind of torched last game. But yeah. I mean. Last, last year they year. last year they put up 101 <laughs> points total, so you know I I don't I don't think they're definitely not coming anywhere close to that. But under 64, hmm, okay, and then and then the first half coming in under 31. So, it, I think that I would be more in line with that. And I yeah. think that I would be under on both of those under under 66 and under 31 or uh, 64. Sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah, or 64. Yeah. All right. We got to wrap things up. Right. We'll get more money line with Jim in Budweiser's weekday sports beat tonight. So if you didn't get your fix on props and lines and everything else, Jim will join us at 6:07 tonight. Vince D'Addario and I will be down in Goshen for Budweiser's weekday sports beat, and then Mishawaka and Goshen will kick off at seven o'clock tonight on our sister station, 96.1 FM. Leprechaun Lunch brought to you by First State Bank, lending strength to our communities by devoting ourselves to helping local businesses grow and prosper. Wings Etc. Grill and Pub, 14 Michiana area locations. You can order online at wingsetc.com and Four Winds Casino, your entertainment escape. We've got another hour of Greeny coming up. For Jim Irizarry, Sean Styers. this has been the First State Bank Leprechaun Lunch. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 